Welcome to Insight Exchange, presented by LEK Consulting, a global strategy consultancy that helps business leaders seize competitive advantage and amplify growth. Insight Exchange is our forum dedicated to the free, open, and unbiased exchange of the insights and ideas that are driving business into the future. We exchange insights with the brightest minds of the day, the most daring innovators, and the doers who are right now rebuilding the world around us. The automotive industry is being disrupted, most notably with the accelerating presence of battery electric vehicles, or BEVs. These vehicles are penetrating new vehicle sales and the car park across the globe, albeit at differential rates in different geographies. Today, we'll be discussing the transition to BEVs and the opportunities and risks that the transition presents. Our host today is Cristobal Colon. My name is Cristobal Colon. I am partner and managing director of LEK Consulting based in Madrid with a special focus on the automotive and mobility industry. I am joined by Jose Portilla, CEO of Cernauto, Ricardo Olaya, Sales Vice President of Mobility Solutions for Spain and Portugal at Bosch, and Matt Wayne, Managing Director and Partner at Elike Consulting. Gentlemen, before we begin, could you please provide a brief introduction of yourselves? Jose. Yes, hello everyone. Um, my name is Jose Portilla. I'm the CEO of Cernauto, the Spanish Association of Automotive Suppliers. The association represents the interests of the automotive supplier companies, as we represent 85% of the total turnover of the sector. We mainly work to foster the competitive edge of our associate companies through lobby actions at top level with different administration bodies, provide added value services, great loads of relevant information and communication in order to put in value the contribution of the sector to the Spanish economy and to the Spanish society. Thank you, Jose. Ricardo? Hello, and thank you for having me. My name is Ricardo Laya. I am currently the Sales Vice President for Mobility Solutions for Spain and Portugal at uh, Bosch. I've been working for Bosch my entire career, over 30 years, in Germany, in Spain, in the US, in Mexico, I started in engineering and then I moved to product management, project management and sales. So, yeah, I think I can represent the most knowledge about mobility. Thank you, Ricardo. And Matt? Hi, yes. My name is Matt Wayne. I'm a, a managing director and partner at LAK Consulting. Uh, I'm based in Boston in the U.S. and I focus on automotive and mobility. I've been with the firm for about 12 years and within the automotive and mobility sector, the majority of my work is focused on the aftermarket, so parts and components, retail and services, sales and distribution, uh, mobility services, and what we call ACE, autonomous, connected, and uh, and electric. Uh, I'm also one of the co-developers of LEK's proprietary battery electric vehicle penetration framework. It's a pleasure being with you today. Thank you, Matt, and thank you all for the interactions. So let's move to the first uh, question. Um, as an introduction, uh, I will say that it's a reality that the market is transitioning to the EV at a very fast pace, but this transition is mainly driven by regulation. So, Jose, uh, how the market is evolving in Europe versus the US and the impact of the regulation on the evolution? What is your opinion about this? Well, the, definitely the European uh, regulation is at this stage very ambitious in terms of objectives and terms of deployment. Those 
putting a huge pressure on the car industry to meet the targets. I, I could say that uh, in a very open way that uh, we have never uh, have um, enca encountered or, or faced such a regulatory pressure eh, from from the uh, European bodies, administrative bodies, um, and this uh, may bring some kind of um, of problems. So I would say that the Fit for 55 regulatory packages would try to accelerate the transition to electric or vehicle, though, as I said, it would have a negative impact concerning employment and potential closures for supply companies due to an excessive implementation speed. When the sector is continually asking for a fair and reasonable transition. Concerning your question with regard to the US, in my opinion, the US regulation is more centered on bringing down barriers such as prices and taxes to make more attractive access to electrical vehicle. But as I, as I said, because of this uh, high pressure of the European regulation, there is a risk, or at least I see a risk to damage the European car industry because of this too ambitious regulation. Concerning the possible evolution of the European Union policy, the low penetration pace of electrical vehicles in some relevant countries may produce an alteration or softness, maybe, of the regulatory pressure in order to adapt to the reality. If it is the case, I foresee that this will come by tackling the schedule and the time frame of the measures. Thank you, Jose. Matt, what is your view about the U.S. situation, about this? Yeah, certainly. So the U.S. is is a bit different, and I would I would agree with um, with Jose. You know, historically been focused more on um, ways to appease the consumer, right? So um, you know, having having tax rebates, um, you know, th things like that. But you know, regulation really didn't come into effect into the U.S. until. California made its executive over in executive order in 2021. Um, that's that's now into law, and it stipulates that all new vehicles sold in the state um, by 2035 must be zero emissions vehicles. Um, and now other states are expected to follow suit. We've seen, you know, there's about 10 states, states or so that that follow what California does. Um, and even though this regulation or this this law. Has, has not happened and there's questions as to whether or not it will hold, um, it has really changed OEM behavior. Um, you're seeing OEM, OEM commitments really coming out, um, focusing on developing new battery electric vehicles, which frankly, you know, in 2018, 2019, there might have been 12 models that you could buy, something very small. So even if you wanted a battery electric vehicle, your, your choices were, were fairly limited. And frankly, if you wanted something that most of the choices were quite expensive. Um, so when we think about where we are today, um, the U.S. has about 6% of our vehicles that are sold um, last year that were battery electric vehicle. That's less than you know 1% of the 290 million vehicles on the road that are battery electric vehicles. Uh, but we see this changing. Um, there are a multitude of factors besides regulation. Um, so things like pricing levels, you know, as as companies continue to invest, as battery prices, you know, hopefully continue to decline, um, that can go in and drive down the price premium, which is a barrier to consumers. Um, similarly, with range and charging, um, as as vehicles can drive further and there's more charging infrastructure, some of which is being supported by some government initiatives, uh, model availability that we talked about, and again, um, just recently, you know, regulation. 
Um, in my mind, the, the key milestone before government regulation is really about getting prices down. Um, you know, the average vehicle in the U.S. was, I think, this past year north of forty thousand dollars. Putting a twenty percent, twenty-five percent premium on top of that for uh, a battery electric vehicle version of that vehicle um, is quite a lot for the consumer to to stomach. So we've got to get prices down. We've got to get the infrastructure available so people have confidence that they can take those trips that that they want to take. Um, you know, we think that these are coming down, that barriers are falling. Uh, we would expect that um, 35% of the vehicles sold in 2030 and, you know, maybe just over 50% in 2035 would be battery electric vehicles, uh, but still would be a fairly smaller portion of that large car park that we have. Um, but there's a lot of things that need to go right for this to happen. I mean, we've got, you know, an earmark for, you know, 500,000 charging infrastructures or charging stations. Those got to work. They got to be in the right place. Um, you know, battery prices have to come down. They've gone up this past year uh, with some of the conflict that's that's happened uh, with commodity prices. There needs to be availability of supply. So the U.S. is on its way. Regulation is playing a part, but I'd say we're you know a little bit step behind in terms of you know the power and the strength of that regulatory force on the consumer here within the U.S. versus other regions. Thank you, Matt. Well, Ricardo, as, as Matt commented, of course, regulation is one of the key drivers for the adoption of the vehicle, uh, battery electric vehicles. And, but besides regulation, what is your view on the key milestones to adoption? I mean, charging infrastructure, vehicle, model availability, etc. Yeah, I, I think Matt was right mentioning that uh, the first issue we had in the past one decade ago when we start talking about electric vehicles was that there were really not so many cars available and not so attractive. I think this is the first achievement of the industry. We have now both in Europe and in the US a quite complete portfolio of uh, battery electric vehicles. So every consumer can now choose an electric vehicle if he likes to do it. Um, obviously, we need to still work on the price, as mentioned as well. So right now, uh, electric vehicles are still more expensive, at least on the purchase, than the, let's say, equivalent uh, ICE vehicle. So this is something that uh, there are some help subsidies, uh, tax uh, uh, incentives that are helping on that. But this is a major point to go, let's say, to the next step and achieve a big market share on electric vehicles. And uh, for me, the major issue right now is really to develop uh, a good, uh, uh, quick, fast charging infrastructure so that electric vehicles can be used with the same convenience than the ICE car vehicles. Right now, it's clear that electric vehicles are a very good, very mature solution for, let's say, short distances, uh, daily commuting, but you want to use it, and I'm thinking in Europe where we uh, drive long distances for vacations and so on, then we really need this charging infrastructure. This is a big investment. We are very well aware of that. And uh, right now there are some public uh, uh, programs to help financing uh, those investments, and this really have to become reality. We need to speed up in the deployment and the installation and availability of those infrastructure. In the meantime, we need as well as, uh, let's say, a technology provider to look for other alternatives to electric vehicles, especially 
on uh, commercial vehicles like hydrogen or e-fuels. So really, it's it's a big disruption and a big transformation that we are facing right now. Uh, thank you, Ricardo. So moving to the next topic and to the next question. Um, of course, there is a transition to the battery electric vehicle, but uh, this transition is also creating new opportunities for the introduction of new OEMs and, of course, some risk for the old ones. So, Jose, um, in your opinion, what is the situation regarding the new entrants into the European market and why are these new OEMs coming now and not before? Well, I think that re reality speaks for itself. Uh, the supply chain problems, uh, mainly due to the lack of uh, uh, microchips, uh, have created uh, that the OEMs without this, this shortage, eh, those, those located in, in Korea, in, in Taiwan, so, uh, have become sales leaders in different European countries. As a matter of fact, in Spain, for example, the top three car makers by sold units in last year, in, in 2022, were Toyota, Kia, and Hyundai. And until these supply chain problems are not solved, circa 2024, it will remain with the same tendency. Concerning uh, the huge monster that is China, imports are still low, but we foresee an increase a tendency for from 2025 due mainly to their faster evolution in products and, and more attractive prices definitely as they as they come closer to higher scale economies know that this is something that is lacking the 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 production of the OEMs in order to of the battery electric vehicle in order to bring the the, the, the prices um, more economic and, and more democratic for for the users know the that's the, the lack of mm, still sufficient scale economies. No? And that is why it's quite relevant that the European car, car makers fight for this competitive edge, taking always into account that, they, that the user is sovereign when it comes to the purchasing decision. So I cannot agree more with what uh, Matt and Ricardo mentioned concerning the, the infrastructure uh, deployment, of course, but um, of course, the the, the microchips uh, um, lacking was something that would be solved probably not in 2023, maybe beginning of 2024, and and then our our European producers may come to to let's say to get back the the the, the good numbers or the the high the high sales position. No, but we will see how this. Uh, develops. Thank you, Jose. And uh, Matt, in your opinion, what about the US? Uh, do you foresee the same situation, mainly regarding the Chinese OEMs, or is different situation, different market, and different consumer? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's a little bit different here in the US. Um, you know, the name of the game for battery electric vehicles has always been Tesla. I mean, that's that's you know, <laughs> particularly their recently their their Model Three and their Model Y. I mean, they've had virtually, you know, almost all of the uh, the battery electric vehicle sales. Um, we do see some introductions and some new entrants, so folks like Lucid, Rivian, Polestar, etc. Um, but one of the things that that I think is happening here in the U.S. is we're really seeing, you know, a push in model development from some of the existing OEMs, folks like Ford, GM, etc. Um, you know, Americans, we like our big vehicles. We've got large cars; tend to be larger than. Than what's driven you know, in uh, in Europe in most cases, um, and something like the introduction of the the Ford Lightning, right? That that's really addressing a a set of the market that 
you know, up until, you know, this year really had no option. You want to, you want to pick up truck, you know, you're buying internal combustion engine. Now one can argue whether or not the use cases of the lightning will be able to satisfy what others are using uh, the internal combustion engine for, but, but that is helping to ease some of the, of the transition. Um, one of the things I'd also note, it's a, it's a little bit related, slightly different, but with EVs are also coming, you know, greater connectivity. I see those kind of coming hand in hand. Um, and that's creating opportunities for OEMs, what I'd say to kind of capture more, more margin and more profitability directly. So you look at some of the, the, the OEMs that are, you know, equipping their vehicles with heated seats, but in order to get them, you pay a monthly subscription. Uh, as opposed to paying that directly to the dealer and all that's accruing to them. So it is changing the landscape. Um, we are seeing more of these, what I would call traditional OEMs starting to participate and I think appease to the US consumer interests. And it is opening up the opportunity for um, new streams of revenue or or greater access to profitability. Thank you, Matt. So Ricardo, so we were we have been talking about new OEMs, legacy OEMs, and these new OEMs investing in new lines, models, etc. So, but how is this affecting to the suppliers? Uh, are the suppliers being able to provide components to the new OEMs? What is the situation? Uh, is something changing, or is just an adaptation or transition to new customers? Well, uh, most of the suppliers, especially the tier one, the big suppliers are already, let's say, developing and producing the, the main components of the electric vehicles, and we are supplying to the traditional OEMs. We as well are working with uh, with the new OEMs, so that's obviously an opportunity, not only in Europe and in the US, but well, the, the Chinese supplier, uh, every major tier one has to be present in the Chinese market because of the size. So these are already customers to us. So. Uh, I don't think the challenge is in supplier, uh, the new the new OEMs, but the challenge is for the smaller, let's say, tier 2, tier 3, really to find how they can use their available competencies, available technology in this new market. So, for example, if you are specialized in doing uh, aluminium casting, and now you are doing that for combustion engines, you have to find which parts uh, can be made with this same technology in the electric vehicles. For me, the major challenge right now is uh, that uh, some of the OEMs, because they have an issue with the expertise and the unique selling point that the ACE uh, means, they need to find something equivalent on the electric vehicle and as well they need to find uh, the, the workload for their uh, employees as well in this new one, uh, the, the, the electric vehicle industry. And sometimes they are doing things and then they are producing components that they used to be produced by suppliers. So we really need to uh, learn how to cooperate with them when they are going deeper into the, the supply chain. Thank you, Ricardo. So we have been talking uh, about new cars, but as we commented before, EVs are simpler than ICE vehicles and they have fewer components, less maintenance, so there can be an impact on the aftermarket. So I'm coming back to you, Ricardo. So what is your view on this? Uh, is this going to be a, uh, an impact on the on the aftermarket because of the EVs? Uh, this is going to be in the short, medium, long term. What is your view? 
Well, short term, as was mentioned before, probably not such an impact because aftermarket lifts out of the existing vehicles already on the road and the market share of electric vehicles is still small. So we will be a significant volume of the business related to electric vehicles in some years for now. So short term, we need to prepare for, for this midterm. Um, everybody knows that uh, in general, electric vehicles are easier to maintain than uh, ICE vehicles. So it's clear that uh, uh, we need, the aftermarket needs to rethink about their business, but there are opportunities coming along, not just with electric vehicles, but with connected and uh, as we call software-defined vehicles. So uh, the aftermarket has to start to work more on the software side remotely to be able to, uh, let's say, monitor the vehicle, uh, remotely announce you need maintenance now. Uh, as mentioned by Matt as well, there is some business in updating the vehicle, remotely offering new feature, but as well repairing it. So uh, the workshops and, and the aftermarket becomes more and more technological, and we need to develop the competencies on that. And one important point as well is that we need to learn to really repair the components. Right now, it looks like uh, the batteries, the electronic, all these new, very sophisticated component is something that the workshop will only be able to exchange, but cannot think about just replacing with new parts every every part that fails in an electric vehicle. So there is a huge opportunity for learning to repair those parts. So, for example, to refurbish those parts, probably not on the workshop, so the customer will get a new part, but there will be opportunities for aftermarket companies to then repair those those components. For example, if you have a battery that has failed just because of one cell, to be able to repair that cell, that can be a big business. So yes, there are opportunities, but they are related to technology and related to this reuse of parts. Thank you, Ricardo. And Matt, uh, you commented that the U.S. market is different than the European market, but I think that is, is also in the aftermarket. It's also very different to the European one. So you, can you comment the differences and what is the expected impact on the U.S.? Yes, certainly. And, and I would agree, uh, I would violently agree with Ricardo in terms of the time that we have, right? So, you know, like I mentioned, we've got less than 1% of the vehicles on the road today that are battery electric vehicles. By 2030, that's going to inch up, you know, a little bit more, right? But it's still going to be relatively negligible. And when I think about the aftermarket, there tends to be a sweet spot when replacements and the like happen, which is typically, you know, call it seven to 15 years um, of age. So when you think about what's the impact going to be on the seven to 15 year old cohorts, um, that's going to take some time, right? It pushes that out a little bit. So I think there's a lot of time for the ICE aftermarket as it currently exists today. Um, co to continue and, and be a, uh, a sustainable market. As BEVs penetrate, right, and that, and that will happen, and, but that'll be later on, you know, we still think, I still think there's opportunity, you know, for the aftermarket, but it may be, it may be a little bit different. Um, I, I think about the world in terms of needs-based repairs or replacements, things that just have to happen with ongoing wear and tear, and then things that are really being driven uh, by the, um, by the enthusiasts. So with needs-based, for example, 
you can think about, you know, the fact that BEVs are, are heavier, that they've got instant torque, that, you know, all these other different architectural differences, that puts a lot of pressure on things like tire wear, on on some of the the drivetrain components, et cetera, which will continue to need replacements. Um, you know, we don't talk about it all that much, but there are things like e-greases, uh, which which will need to be um, you know, replaced and and used on an ongoing basis. And one of the things that I found actually most interesting, we we did some work a couple of years ago um, looking at the enthusiast community. And my hypothesis going in was that they would be very resistant to battery electric vehicles. But we did the survey trying to gauge their interest. And frankly, they were on par, if not slightly more interested and excited than the general population. And I think the reason for that is that they understand what these vehicles can do and they see them from a performance standpoint. So there'll be things that that they'll be looking to upgrade and enhance depending on the use case, right? Maybe they're looking to have better suspension if they're going off-roading or using some body armor. Um, or maybe they're very concerned about thermal management of the battery if they're really going to be uh, putting putting the vehicle in extreme circumstances and driving it really hard. I believe the aftermarket's going to continue to thrive, uh, but we'll be selling different products and providing different services um, to both enthusiasts and uh, the casual consumer that that needs needs based repair. So, Jose, according to Madame Ricardo, we have extra time for the transition. Uh, but what is your view on the impact of the of this transition to the suppliers that are very dependent on the combustion engine components? Well, I totally agree with with Matt in both uh, his comments as well as with Ricardo. Uh, still, the majority of, of of cars running in in, in Europe are are combustion engines. Uh, so, I'm, 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 if you think in the in the in the level of uh, cars that are being sold at this stage, particularly in the southern um, uh, areas of uh, of Europe, uh, um, the majority are still um, uh, combustion engines. No, so. So, I think that the aftermarket sector will have a, a still a many years to 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 perform. In and um, as I said, the big majority of cars on the roads are combustion vehicles, and it will continue like that in the coming years. In the midterm, things will probably change, and definitely the aftermarket will need to to start from now to prepare for for this transition by fostering. Mainly to two concepts, to two to key key levers, which are innovation and digitalization. Of course, added services may play also an important role from the point of view of the aftermarket. And concerning the evolution of the suppliers, would you, that you are asking me about the, the suppliers for the combustion engines, with this accelerated regulatory landscape, many will suffer, particularly uh, tier four, tier three, and then we need to reconfigure their processes and the products progressively to adapt to the new market demand, which would require definitely the further investments. But I'm positive in the short term about the how the aftermarket sector will, will run and perform. Okay, so we are finishing the podcast, but uh, before finishing, I would like to ask you a summary of the opportunities and the risks for the suppliers. So you want to start, Matt? Yeah, certainly. Um, so going back to the top, um, you know, as you mentioned, electric vehicles are coming, um, and, and the rate of their um, share gain in the market is is accelerating. Um, that's happening because we're seeing you know prices coming down, 
Uh, we're seeing, you know, model range, um, you know, increasing. Um, we're starting to see the development of charging infrastructure. Um, there's more models. And then most recently, um, some of the regulation, which frankly is is motivating a lot of the, the OEM commitments. So we're seeing there, and the consumers, I believe, are, are becoming more open to battery electric vehicles um, now that they're becoming a bit more commonplace. Um, OEMs are developing uh, innovative and what I would call kind of customer-friendly vehicles. Um, there are opportunities with connected vehicles for them, as we talked about, uh, in terms of you know gaining some of the, the margin which may otherwise accrue to dealers. Um, there's a lot of data that can be connected and potentially represents an opportunity um, to develop new revenue streams to monetize that data and information. Um, so I think there's a lot, a lot going on on the OEM side. Given my focus here in the U.S. being primarily on the aftermarket, um, I believe the aftermarket will continue to be ripe um, for the reasons that we described in terms of internal combustion engines staying on the road and being the vast majority of vehicles for um, a long time to come. But when battery electric vehicles are there more, um, the aftermarket will continue to be there, but might look a bit different. Parts and component providers will be able to sell um, both needs-based and to enthusiasts, but what they sell and what customers care about you know, might be shifting. Um, I think about service providers. They may need to get creative. You know, Service intervals are elongating. Some items are migrating to OEMs, but I believe they'll be able to continue to, to play a role in that market. But, but as I mentioned, you know, I think it's important for people in the automotive industry and those participating is really to understand that this is not a uh, you know snap of the fingers transition. This is going to be a slow transition. Um, I believe there's lots of opportunity and lots of time for companies to uh, to get their strategies and initiatives in order. Uh, but they need to start thinking about that today if they're not already doing so. Um, you can't be sitting on your laurels, but you do have time to to plan and be uh, very deliberate in, in how you're approaching this. Yes, uh, with this transformation, technology and innovation are more important than ever. We see new OEMs, new players coming from other industries and possibly a reduced number of vehicles on the road due to the regulation and the new business model. So we really must provide technology not just to those traditional OEMs, but to the mobility service providers. They are becoming more and more important in the market, not just, uh, let's say, purchasing more vehicles, but as well prescribing them. It's a new use. Uh, we think about autonomous vehicles as well, uh, shuttles, robotaxis, these kind of things. These are all opportunities for suppliers to provide technology adequate to this one. And the other point that I think is important is we need to learn to cooperate with these new OEMs, with new mobility providers, with players in the market coming from other industries, especially the software and IT industry. I think we need to learn to find our strong points and then how to cooperate with these other players to really provide the best solution for this new market. Thank you, Ricardo. And last but not least, Jose, what opportunities do you foresee in the market? What is your opinion about this? I have to say that I totally agree with, with, with Ricardo. The technology will be um, um, a keystone, uh, but definitely the new mobility will bring new opportunities, new opportunities to design, to develop, and, and provide more added value products uh, and new services online and offline. And for this, uh, to, to let's say, to run this road, uh, innovation is and will be the key central factor 
to provide these new solutions at a competitive uh, uh, pace. Also, I would consider that there is an important element in order to speed up this transition, and uh, that is the public and private cooperation. It's more important than ever, considering the huge level of investments and the need to speed up administrative issues, particularly if we refer to the charging infrastructure the deployment. So thank you, Matt, Ricardo, and Jose. Thanks for your participation and your time and giving so detailed points of view and information. I am sure that uh, our clients will appreciate it. And thank you again. Thank you very much. Thank you for having. Thank you, our listeners, for joining us today at the Insight Exchange, presented by LEK Consulting. Links to resources mentioned in this podcast can be found in the show notes. Please subscribe or follow for future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, we encourage you to submit your suggestions for future insights online at lek.com.